Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction simulcasts on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. If you would like to get in, the first segment of each hour is normally, except for like Monday, the best time to do so. There'll be one other segment to get in, but we'll be doing a lot of interviews over the next two days, including today. But um, we don't, I don't, I don't, the, you know, we don't often talk, we don't talk a whole lot about the NBA. We don't often start with the NBA, but what are what are what are we supposed to gather about the Lakers playing better without LeBron is this a um like I don't I don't quite know how to explain what's going on other than obviously Anthony Davis has played well but ended a long losing streak to the Suns like I don't I don't quite get that um but I know a lot of you don't appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that they're doing it, but I, it's not. Um, it, it, it's kind of strange. the um, The bizarre situation at the end of the Mavs game last night. I don't. I don't get that either. That none of that made any sense to me. Like, why didn't they communicate? I mean, if you're near a court, there's constant communication between referees and players and assistant coaches and head coaches and I. I don't I don't know. That that whole situation was bizarre. I don't I mean I've seen officials before count to five and if you're not there they just put the ball on the ground. I've seen that. Like you're supposed to be there after a certain amount of time. I don't know. That was kind of weird. I don't know that it's gonna make a huge difference, but I guess I guess we'll see in time, you know, if it Every game does matter in the uh, Western Conference Final because everything's so bunched up. But just kind of, kind of bizarre. Can you imagine the range of emotion for a Phoenix Suns fan when they made the trade? They were thinking, "We're, we're going to the finals. We, you know, we're, we're going to be the NBA champions." I mean, that's what they're thinking when they made the trade for Durant, and then he gets hurt, and now they're getting beat by the Lakers, who they've kind of owned for a while now. So kind of a kind of, kind of of a range of emotion there. Cajuns uh, baseball team won again last night. There are so many. You know, it's kind of weird because the Cajuns are actually kind of banged up right now. Like they, they you know, they – at first base, they were playing Peyton Lejeune last night, and he he got two hits. He's been pl- hitting the ball on a line lately, and even right before he started getting some hits, he was hitting some balls hard just at people. Um, 
but C.J. Willis is out. And, you know, Mason Zambo has come in a few times late in games, so he's not, like, really, 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 really hurt, but he's not healthy. Um, You know, and so, you know, they, they just, they're a little banged up right now. They still are not hitting with runners in scoring position very well at all. Uh, Max Morshock is, you know, how ironic. I mean, I remember at the beginning, right before the season, and Coach Degg says we're playing him at third base when we were mostly thinking he was going to play at second base. And um, he's like, trust me, or something to that effect. And Max has played great at third, but he hadn't hit a lick. So, like, this is the second weekend of conference play. We're not that far from the middle of the season, being at the midpoint of the season. And he's still not hitting. Now, I get that he trusts him. I got no issues with him trusting him, but I wonder how long. Like, it's going to feel really good for Max, Coach Deggs, and the fans if if that confidence that he's, you know, giving him pays off like he finally it starts clicking and he starts hitting but his batting average still is not pretty he did get an RBI single last night like that at one point in the game last night that they were out hitting Southeastern 10 to 1 and the score was one nothing (laughs) that is that is frustrating so they're just they have the ability to run obviously uh, they have the ability to get on, but they have not been great at getting runners home. That's why we were having a discussion the other day, and even Coach Deggs made a comment about the old sacrifice flies or rally killers. I get that, but it still scores a run. Like, I've argued for years. If I was the king, I would change that rule that if you ground into a double play, you can't get an RBI because you still get a run home. Like, you could you could win game seven of the World Series one to nothing on a ground ball double play where you score a run in like the fourth or fifth inning and then the, and then you pitch great and you win the game seven of the World Series, one nothing. And you say, well, he hit into a double play. But yeah, he could have struck out. He could have popped up on the infield and the runner would have been stranded at third at the end of the game, at the inning. I mean, I, I still don't, I, I understand, like, I, I think if you're down by three runs, in the ninth inning, say, and you and the first guy hits a a solo homer. To me, that's a rally kill. I, I don't want a solo homer. I need you to get on base. So I get all the rally killing mentality, but when you're when you're struggling to score runs, I don't I don't I don't think sacrifice flies are bad things. I, I, RBIs on outs, I, I, I'm all for it. So. Uh, they're going to South Alabama this weekend. You know, I I I feel strange. I don't think I made the comment on the air. I think it was off the air yesterday. I kind of feel like I did 
with the basketball team last year when Georgia State was coming to town. I think it was last year, and they had lost all these games, and they were playing terrible, and something told you, man, they just cannot be this bad. Uh, Now, I don't think South Alabama is going to end up as good as that Georgia State team did. And it turns out Georgia State was terrible this year. I don't know that we relish that quite enough but uh, as Cajun fans. But um, I, you know, I just, I don't know. Some just, I feel a little uneasy about the fact that South Alabama's lost seven in a row. They're 0-3 in conference play. We'll see how that plays out. Also hearing the bad, scary weather reports about this weekend in Mobile, so we'll see if they get that in. It seemed like there was a series about three or four years ago where the Cajuns went to Mobile, and they had to play a game or two on Monday, and they got swept, and it was just a miserable week, just a miserable weekend. So hopefully there's not any kind. You'll put up with a lot as long as you win. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. How's it going, my brother? Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. How are you, sir? Oh, it's a glorious day, bro. You know, look, it's still good to start being able to hit a radio show again. I'm finally finished school. I passed, so that's good. Now I can listen to the radio again. I'm lost in sports. I don't know what the heck has been going on in sports besides minor stuff like Derek Carr and stuff, you know? So... Well, nah. first of all, congratulations that everything went good on the Appreciate academic it. side. But we'll get, we'll get, there's a lot going on in sports. We got free agency. We've got the NCAA tournament. We've got the World Baseball Classic just finished. And I even drafted a couple of Yankees in my fantasy draft last, last weekend. Oh, y'all did the draft already, huh? Yeah, we did it. And, and I drafted a couple of Yankees. They better not let me down. Oh, they ain't going to let you down. Yankees never let nobody down. Oh, okay. And I. And Mr. Hans had called me um, before I started school. And, you know, because, you know, I wanted to be in the draft this year. I know I wouldn't be able to with school. And I was like, he's like, well, he was trying to find solutions to get me in. I said, there's no way, Mr. Hans. I can't get in. <laughs> <laughs> but they ain't going to let you down, foot. Well, now, I hope not. I couldn't, I couldn't help you hear you bring it up World Series. In a few days, you know what time it is, huh? You know what starts. A week from today. Is the opening day for Major League Baseball a week from today? No, 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 no. you're wrong, but no, that's what it's starts a week from today. Day of Yankee Championship season. Well, that, that's not happening. Guaranteeing the championship. Let's not fool ourselves. It's you still got here. Aaron Y'all Hicks starting in left get field. In the back of the line, the Braves got to get in the back of the line too. You talk about the Piper, right? Hey, Piper have spoken. Y'all had your turn. Oh no, we haven't Y'all exhausted. Had the Piper's not mad at us yet. No, but I, well, I ain't saying he mad at y'all, but he kind of like, you know, y'all had your time now. Y'all got two. Now, y'all got to take a step back. Somebody else turn. So I think it's going to fall in favor for us this year. Not the ugly Sox, nobody else. If anybody besides us, I would see maybe the Mets because how they was looking good last year. Yeah. So just saying, Foot, I think it's our year. I think it's our year, so... I'm going to go ahead. I still got to give them gifts to y'all. Don't worry. I didn't forget. All right. I'm going to finish listening. Have a good one, Foot. Take care. Man, that's true. We talked about it the last couple of days. Opening day a week from today. I saw someone give their guess at the Astros opening day lineup. 
with with the guests that, you know, all the people who are injured right now who may not be playing, kind of looks like a triple-A lineup. <laughs> kind of looks like a triple-A lineup. So my first thought was, man, it's a good thing that it's a hammock season if that's really their opening day lineup. Yeah, but I think it would be fun to get some guys in there that you're not used to seeing and then, you know, maybe some of them surprise. Maybe we'll have like a, you know, um, man, what was it, White? What was his first name? Pelican Park is what I called it. <laughs> anyway, he hit, what, 625 for like three weeks? Yeah, and he never yeah. hit another ball in his life. But right, exactly. Fun. But, you know, it also is true what you're saying. That there's so many things that are cool about baseball. But in baseball, mediocre to bad players can do – you can, in any given day, they can go two for three with two or three RBIs. I mean, it can happen. It happens all the time. So, yeah, I mean, just because – Hensley's playing instead of Altuve doesn't mean Hensley can't get a hit. Um, I mean, they're talking about Yanir Diaz playing DH. I mean, I'm sure he's going to get some hits, so hopefully they can pitch well and and still win. They've um, they've got some sort of record going. I don't remember the number, but they've won like nine or ten opening days in a row. Like they they haven't lost on opening day in quite a while. So hopefully that continues. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll get to that and I'm sure several other issues with our friend Stevie P next on the game. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back to Footnotes. We have with us our good friend, Mr. Stevie P. How are you, sir? Oh, Ken, I'm doing good. What about you? Well, I'm hanging in there. Lots going on. All right. We were just talking about the Harlem Globetrotters. So were the Harlem Globetrotters your favorite guest on the Scooby-Doo show growing up? Or, or what was your favorite celebrity guest on Scooby-Doo? Oh, yeah. The Harlem, and, and as a matter of fact, the Harlem Globetrotters were so good, they went on and had their own cartoon. Remember that? Man, I don't know if I remember that. Oh yeah, I mean they they, they were so good on a recurring role. It's kind of like uh, Stanley and and Helen on the Ropers. I mean they were so good they got their own show. The Ropers, of course, that wasn't any good. No, it wasn't well, the good. Both were actually pretty good. Now uh, it it didn't have the the, the longevity uh, as uh, as Scooby Doo, but oh yeah, it's got to be the got to be the Harlem Globetrotters. Which you know, by the way, I was watching the Harlem Globetrotters one time at at, at the Cajun Dome. And uh, uh, this guy for the Generals, he was just in the zone. I mean, Cat couldn't miss for like three quarters. They didn't play him in the fourth, and the Globetrotters wound up winning. But I'm telling you, every, everything this, this guy threw up went in. But, oh, yeah, it's got to be the Harlem Globetrotters. By the way, before we get to your uh, uh, docket, uh, did you see my trivia question today? Well, I did, but it doesn't make any sense. I, I, I'm really we'll, – we'll get to that, but I'm struggling. Oh, but, but let me tell you, though, the – Okay. You know who I would have guessed was your favorite celebrity guest on Harlem Grove Trotters? I would have, I mean, on a Scooby Doo, I would have thought it was Jonathan Winters. 
Oh, Jonathan Winters was great. Oh, yeah, very funny guy. He uh, played an episode of The Twilight Zone, which is still just memorable. Everybody considers him, him a comedic actor, and he is one of the best of, of all time. But he played an episode of, uh, of The Twilight Zone that I, I still just it, – it was, it was great. But the Harlem Globetrotters has to be the answer, Cat. You didn't like Curly on the Hall, on uh, in animation? Curly no, was Curly great was person, great. But he's even I better agree. in animation, Cat. I agree. Uh, I, I was great. And plus, you know, we talked about the Cajuns uh, last week when the Cajuns made the NCAA term. We were doing a little Cajun history. And uh, when the Cajuns and, and Dion, Jordan's dad, Dion Brown, and the Cajuns won the Sugar Bowl Classic, beat Florida and Kansas, uh, on that trip that I, I made, I, I met – Metal Arc Lemon in the in the hotel in the elevator at the High Regency. So that, that's a great lifelong memory as well. All oh, right. Then, oh, then uh, Metal Arc left the Globetrotters, and remember he got his own uh, Metal Arc's All Stars or wherever it was. Yeah, it wasn't the Harlem Globetrotters, but it was pretty good. He also played Metal Arc Lemon. Also played in Hello Larry. Remember the sitcom that played on Friday nights after Different Strokes. I do remember that. Yes. Yeah. All right, so t- this trivia question you have, I think, is bogus, but go ahead and ask it. Uh, no, it's not bogus. There's a correct answer. <laughs> the, okay, uh, Jose Altuve is not going to be the Astros opening day second baseman this year, and, and Kevin's thrilled about that. But anyway, name the last guy to start at second base for the Astros on opening day other than Jose Altuve. See, I I think that the answer has to be either Jeff Keppinger or Kaz Matsui. It just has to be. I, I don't know no. who else no. it could this be. Guy, this guy hit 35 home runs in the season. He's a one-time all-star. Keppinger, you know, had a couple of – he's a solid player, but he never came close to 35 home runs. Neither did Kaz Matsui. This guy had 35 homers one year, 90 RBIs, was an all-star, and is in a team's Hall of Fame. And you loved him. I loved him, but oh, but there's yeah. no oh, way. Said, oh, no, I mean, okay, wait a minute. So so the only I can see is like, did Miguel Tejada start at second base for whatever reason, and when he was really a shortstop? No, this guy's a legit second base. I say legit second baseman. I'll give you a hint. He was known, I guess, for his versatility, but. You know, if if you're putting together like you know a fantasy league like ours, and you have to designate a guy to position, this guy was a second baseman. He was an all-star second baseman. But Jeff Kent was not that late. No, <laughs> not Jeff Kent. Cat. I mean, who could? I mean, I'm telling you, the answer has to be Kepinger or Matsui. I, I'm just no, really is, struggling with this. It is not. No, you're gonna say, "Oh yeah," when I give you the answer. You want the answer? I want the answer. Bill Hall. Bill Hall. <laughs> yes, Bill Hall. Bill Hall was the last guy. Bill Hall was terrible. Second base on opening day. Bill Hall was real. What, what would that have been, like 2010? I want to say 2011. Uh, but oh, let me, uh, Altuve was there by, I, I don't know. We'd have to look that up. I thought Altuve started about 11, but I could be, no, I could be a year off. <laughs> Let's see. Dawson will look uh, it up. Let's get to a few other things. Okay, so the Saints draft. First of all, obviously the Saints have been way more active. Were you totally floored by the Jamal Williams signing? uh, No. Well, yes. As a matter of fact, if if you would have asked me, I would have said, uh, you know, people have asked me about, you know, 
Zeke Elliott or Jamal Williams, and I said, you know, would have been a great get, but I didn't see it. I didn't see it possible, and the fact that they did get him did kind of blow me away. I mean, I'm I'm real excited about that. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to score 17 touchdowns or whatever he did, um, uh, you know, last year. But he's a solid guy to run in between the tackles, and he's certainly a great get for the Saints. Well, Dawson confirms Bill Hall in 2011, but I mean, Bill Hall was terrible for the Astros, so probably he started an open. He did want to like who would. Who was the opening day? They had a center fielder one year that started at opening day like in the early 80s, and he played like 20 games, and he was done forever. Tony Walker. Tony Walker, yeah. No, yeah, He actually was opening Number day 30. Astros at 1986 on their division championship team, a team that could have been, probably should have went to the World Series. That's yeah, correct. Oh, no, he should have. Got cheated. But, but why, why y'all double-checking? Obviously, you don't trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to double-check the year is what I was trying to check. Uh, uh, all right. Did you do that to your teachers? I mean, the first-grade teacher told you George Washington was yes. the first president. I said, well, no, we're going to have to I don't believe this. that. I mean, yeah, I told him. I don't believe that. we got to look that up. No, yeah, it drives Michelle that. crazy. She said, why you always got to second-guess me? Why you always got to look and check? Why can't you just trust me? I said, I don't believe everything y'all tell me. All right. So, um, tell me about... Like, so who do you, what do you think, like with all the moves that have been made so far, who would you pick, or at least what positions would you pick at 20, what are they, 29 and 41? Well, I'm going to give you a position, but this is what, why the Saints have done so good. They don't have to necessarily take a position. You know, to, to me, and I said this when free agency started to become invoked. I mean, you use free agency to to fill your needs, and in the draft, you flat out take the best player that's available. Now, again, there are some positions that are more attractive to others because maybe it's a little bit more of a need, but I don't think that you go into the draft feeling that you have to take a certain position unless you're sold on a quarterback, obviously, and, you know, you don't have one, and, you know, you know a quarterback's going to be taken in, you know, the, the, the top three picks anyway. But in terms of position, and I know that the Saints have, have done some work um, on the defensive line. I thought they did a good job last week of signing two, you know, uh, competent defensive tackles. But, you know, they could certainly stand to use a, you know, a guy that could certainly rush the passer uh, uh, nowadays. I mean, whether that be, you know, a true defensive end like, uh, like Cam Jordan, somebody that could uh, both get to the passer and stop the run, or just be simply an edge rusher, a guy that could, you know, just flat out get to the passer because that's one of the big things about, about defense nowadays. So I would go defensive uh, tackle and more specific, I'm sorry, defensive line and more specifically an edge rusher I want the end spot. It, 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 you know, it, it'll be interesting. Now, what about what if the you know we always talk about the highest rated guy on the board, and I don't think this guy's going to be there, but this position does slip sometime. If the highest rated guys on the board is a tight end, would you pick tight end at twenty nine? Not at twenty nine. I mean, I'm like you. Well, no, I'm I'm not like you in terms. Of, I don't love tight ends that much, but I love tight ends more than the average bear, as Yogi Berra would say. But um, I would uh, 
Uh, I would drop the tight end a little bit later on. Uh, there's no question that the Saints need to be better in the red zone, which is another reason why I think that the, the Jamal Williams signing was outstanding. Why I'm hoping, and uh, you know, I'm not certainly not counting on it, but I'm hoping that Michael Thomas returns to form because they need what I like to call a post-up receiver and be better in the red zone. I think a tight end would certainly help that. Heck, a tight end would certainly help stretch the field. You know, when, when, when you're in the middle of the field. But, no, I would not take a tight end at 29. I think they need a safety. I think they need a tight end. But I think th- those are guys that you could take in the four, in the third, fourth, and fifth round. Well, it, it, it's certainly going to be interesting to see what they do. And the draft, you know, we, we've had, you know, the cages making the NCAA tournament and all this other stuff. But, you know, baseball and softball, the collegiate level is so big here. And then Major League Baseball is about to start. We really haven't just – totally divin you know dived in head first with the draft but it's getting close we're not that much for we're about a month away aren't we are just a little shy of a month away so it, it i think it's fascinating on a lot of fronts who would you pick number one overall if you were the Arnolds? well i think they're gonna pick cj stroud uh I, i'm 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 really i don't want to say convinced of that but i'm you know, more than leaning in in that direction, you know, you you look at, uh, at 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 Bryce Young, and as talented as he is, he's not very big, Kevin. You know, what I mean, he's he just he's just not. And I think that Frank Wright, looking at as as his, as his as his history, he's a guy that prefers you know a little bit bigger and more physical type of uh, uh type of quarterback. So I think that they're going to go C.J. Shroud. I you know I didn't believe the Anthony Richardson rumor when it first came about. I still don't believe it now. I think they could go Bryce Young. I mean, it, it's it's also possible that uh, uh, it's also possible that it, it, at, as crazy as it sounds, they traded up to the number one pick. It's possible that they they may tra- trade down a pick or two. Although I can't see that happening. They made a trade for a reason. They like somebody, and I think they're going to take CJ Stroud. Well, Las Vegas agrees with you, but all the experts seem to be uh, sold that it's going to be Bryce Young. Uh, so no, it'll be that'll be. I I I hope that it stays that way. I like drama. I I, I hated that era of the draft where they were that you kind of knew every they would they would tell you you knew what the pick was before they even announced it. That was awful. And so I I I, I hope it stays where it's high drama all the way until they make the first pick. No doubt. Now let me ask you before you let me go. Uh, this XFL rule about. Uh, the clock continuing to run on an incomplete pass, except inside the final two minutes of the game. Do you like that? No. You don't I, like that? I don't like that, no. See, I didn't think I'd like it. I, I do kind of like that rule. Incomplete pass, the clock runs. In, incomplete clap pass, the clock runs. Cat, let's go. Man. That's too uh, – no, I can't go for that. I can't go for that. <laughs> All right, so, you know, well, not next week. Probably two weeks from now, we're going to have a week of baseball played, and then we can have a serious discussion on these new rules and what needs to change and not because the the, the baseball season is going to be fascinating this year because of so many teams that seem like they're capable of making the World Series and all these rule changes. It's going to be very interesting to watch in the early going. Well, I appreciate your time, sir. Kevin, as always, it's been your pleasure.
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. No, it, it, it's kind of fun, actually, to think back, what, 15, 13, 14, 15 years ago when the Astros were in that kind of mediocre and then awful stage when we were just hoping that guys like Brent Wallace would become good players. I wonder what Brett Wallace is doing right now. No, well, that, I mean, Wallace. that's as we've kind of we, we've talked a little bit about like that's the era that I became a fan. Actually, before that, a little bit at the very end of when they were trying to hang on. And then, of course, when they yeah. completely tore it down. So yeah. I, some of those names, I mean, Jimmy Paredes, I remember switch hitter. I thought oh, was gonna yeah, be a good player. I like Jimmy Paredes. Had a couple of decent years and then he never really did. Chris Johnson was like the best player on the team for one year. Yeah. And then, he went on and Third had a few man. other stops. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of names of just looking at those opening day lineups, a lot of names it's that funny. I saw. Jordan yeah. Schaefer was a guy I really enjoyed uh, watching play in the outfield. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So it's uh it's 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 pretty different now, for, uh, obviously. All right. So in my quest, or I want it to be our quest, we I want to make sure that we've at least given spent you know, at least a minute or two discussing whoever the Saints are going to pick in the first and second round. Like, I don't, I hate being blindsided. I hate, like I said yesterday, Chris Naoli pick where, I mean, I was doing radio back then in the late 90s, and, and I don't even know that we ever brought up Chris Naoli. I don't know that we ever brought up Peyton Turner when the Saints drafted him. Like I say, Turner and, and Cesar Ruiz, I was not We might have mentioned their name. Now, we had mentioned Cesar Ruiz a few times at least, but it was still pretty much a curveball. Might not a 12 to 6er, but it was a curveball. And so I want to – so when I hear – as I go through mock drafts, when I see – like yesterday, somebody picked cornerback. I just – I just – I know there's a couple good cornerbacks in this draft. I just cannot see a scenario where the Saints would pick a cornerback in the first round. I just, I think that's a silly prediction. Not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that's to me that's a silly prediction. So I saw one yesterday for the second round that I had not seen once by anyone, and so I'm like, can that really be? And I don't even know. I'm trying to think. Maybe back in the 70s, there was a player from this school. I just don't ever remember the Saints drafting anyone from this school. But uh, the guys, the guy is Jack Campbell, linebacker from Iowa. He's 6'5", 250, runs a 4'6". He, he was the Big Ten Player of the Year, won the Dick Buckus Award for the top linebacker in the country and all that. He, there was a list that someone put out, like the top 10 nastiest players in the draft, and he was on that list. 
He wasn't like number one or two. He was like number, I don't know, six maybe, kind of in the middle of the list. But the guy who, I don't remember the guy who was doing the mock draft, he said something that I don't know that I remember hearing. He claims that the Saints really wanted to pick Quay Walker last year. But last year, the Saints were in, like, they traded up and, and they, you know, they, they needed a wide receiver. We all knew that, well, we all figured they were going to pick one of the wide receivers. And then we figured they would pick a lineman, and they did. So I, I maybe they did want Quay Walker. It just didn't kind of, it wasn't in the cards last year. And remember, the, um, the Packers got him. Quay Walker is 6'4", 240. Similar type build as as Campbell, who's six six five. They listed two forty nine. Pete Werner they ended up drafting at six three two forty two, who's a little smaller. Um, and and Pete Werner didn't even look six three to me. I, I don't know. If I was gonna really. say he certainly doesn't look. He does not look to me. six three. That's what they list him at, but I don't really believe that. Um, what do you think? I mean, a rangy big linebacker who's supposedly good at covering and and stopping the run. Yeah, you know, I the more I've thought about it, I've I've kind of had a change of heart just this week. I want somebody who has the ability to rush the passer in the first round. Now, it doesn't have to be an edge rusher. I'll take a drop back linebacker or, you know, a, a kind of a hybrid guy. But I want somebody who has the ability to come off the edge at some point because I do think in certain packages right now with Cam Jordan and then, you know, A, the questions with him slowing down a bit and then the questions behind him. How is Granderson going to be as productive as he was? Like, I want somebody who can at least mix in as a pass rusher. Um, so, but but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to the idea. No, I don't think it would be, uh, you know, I wouldn't be, again, like I wouldn't be upset or shocked. But the, the funny thing is the way the Saints have set this offseason up, there's not a whole lot of positions they could pick that I would be that upset about just because of everything as long as it's a good player. Now, corner would maybe be one of them where I go, man, corner? Because uh, where is he going to play? Even if you draft a corner, yeah, he's not going to play right away as long if, as long as everything yes. goes well and you're healthy. So now that's, again, sometimes that's the best moves to make is when you don't need to draft somebody and you get a great player later on, but... Uh, I as of now I'm leaning towards somebody who can put some who can help the pass rush out. And I had kind of acknowledged that, that it was possible, but it kind of going when we started this thinking that they weren't going to pick an edge rusher, and I hadn't really thought about picking a linebacker in the first or second round either. Like maybe later, but not the first or second round because you have your two starting linebackers now. Are they going to be healthy? You know, I guess you could say that about any position, right? I mean, you could say any position, are they going to be healthy? I mean, especially the Saints, as injured as they are. Um, Now, with the news that came out yesterday about Foster Moreau, because a lot of us were kind of maybe not assuming, but strongly suspecting that he was going to sign with the Saints. You know, he played with Derek Carr. He's from New Orleans and all that, so... And then now the news comes out that the Saints diagnosed him with cancer. It's like, what? 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 That was bizarre. And hopefully, you know, somehow they saved his life maybe. I don't know. I mean, hopefully it, it, it works out great for him and, and, and he can treat it and be back. Um, 
But I don't think they would pick a tight end, but maybe. It, there's supposedly three, about three, maybe four tight ends that the, 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 the experts really like, have graded really high. So, I, you know, I, I really, I kind of think, the Lions picking Mayor at, I think they draft 18th, if I remember, kind of makes sense to me. And I don't know if he'll slide that far because some people are going to have Mayor, I think, graded pretty highly, tied in from Notre Dame. D- these tied ins from Notre Dame, since Bavaro, though, have, it seems like they always have a tied in from Notre Dame that gets drafted high. God, we need to go back and look. Since Sims to Bavaro, if any of them really worked out that well. I know Irv Smith did not, that's for sure. Saints picked him in the first round, did not work out well. I do, I get reminded this time of year, and I've already kind of, we've already brought it up and talked about it a little bit, how differently people think about prospects and how, again, teams do the same thing. But I'm now seeing Siaki Ika pick 21st overall in a, in a CBS mock draft. and I saw him pick 18th in one. I'm like, He's what? the guy who was in the 60s on, you know, PFF's grades and some yes. of the other mock draft things were having him in the second, third round, and now you've got him in the top 20. So that's, again, just a reminder that on draft night, you're going to hear a name that you haven't been seeing because that's those teams have different evaluations. And throughout these mock drafts, you're going to have Mel Kuyper put a guy 10 and somebody else might have him 75. And that's just kind of how these things go. I don't want to get caught off guard. You don't seem to care. You like being blindsided. I don't like it. I, I And this year, I'll probably have done more preparation than in years past just because of, you know, the job that I have now here but I mean sometimes it works out when you don't know about a guy but the guy is because I mean I don't know I guess I guess recently it hasn't worked out all that much oh no it did the guy from Tennessee none of us mentioned him. yeah that's true yeah none of us mentioned him and a lot of people were very angry that the Saints picked him and he and he looked like he's gonna be he looks like a football player all right we overdue we'll take a timeout and we'll be back this is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at the game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. It's great when callers, we ask questions or bring up things, and then we get the answers. Don't you love waiters? You ask them for things, and they bring them. Um, Iowa. There's one that I should have known. Joel Hilgenberg, arguably the best center in Saint history. I mean, you could argue that. He was a fourth-round pick in 1984. Uh, he was the center... Uh, for a lot of the the Dome Patrol era when Jim Moore was there and the Saints were the first time they were really good. Um, Austin Wheatley, I remember Austin Wheatley. He was a tight end in the Hazlitt era, but I didn't remember that he was from Iowa. And then there was some other guy named Warren Pfeiffer who I don't think he ever made the team. He was drafted way back in the when I was 10 years old. But uh, so that just just to fill in the blanks there that the Saints have drafted a few from I should have remembered Hilgenberg. Shame on me. All right. We went Dawson and I were both at the Cajun game last night, and one of the things that 
you know, you have preseason questions, and the number one question mark for me was the pitching, and 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 then a couple guys like Hammond has pitched well early, and Moody has had some, you know, some moments, and other pitchers. Uh, they've been telling us if he could ever get healthy, how good McGee he is. So we've seen some starting pitchers do well. Even Sam Hill lately uh, has had a couple of encouraging outings. But the, I was always worried about, okay, who's the bullpen? But the bullpen lately has just been fabulous. Um, and this is what's so encouraging. Like Cooper Rawls has pitched great. Uh, Blake Marshall has pitched well. Um, but, you know, Carson Fluno looks really good. He, he's had some encouraging outings. And arguably your best bullpen arm going into the ceiling season was Dylan Toit, and he's hurt right now. I, was, I knew there was somebody else that was injured that I, I wasn't remembering early. But Toit is out right now, and Coach Degg said earlier this week he's going to be out at least two to three more weeks. So hopefully they can get him for the stretch drive. And then, you know, Ben Tate had a couple interesting, you know, early on he was struggling with control like a lot of the pitchers were. But he had some encouraging outings. We haven't seen him as much lately, so maybe he could still fit into that uh, mold as well. But, no, uh, the bullpen has been a lot more options um, than I was thinking they would they would have. And that that that's a good thing because you, you need – uh, you need as many options as you can get. And he's also teased the fact, and I thought we we would have maybe seen him against Grambling. It seemed like the Grand, of course, the Grambling game only went seven innings, so in a run rule, so maybe that's something to do with it. And last night's game was really tough and tight. Um and Coach Deggs is good with experimenting to an extent, but he really, really tries to win midweek games, too. So uh, but he's but Lafleur. I mean, he he hinted at Lafleur maybe pitching some. Um, I don't know exactly when or how that's going to happen. But again, that could be another left-handed pitcher that could give him some innings down the stretch. We'll see how that plays out. But no, I, I think the bullpen for the Cajuns is a lot better shape than I was. Again, I, I didn't. I wasn't convinced that it was going to be bad. I just didn't know. I just think it was a giant question mark. And even like two weeks into the season, I was like, I'm not. I'm still not seeing it. But it seemed like every week there's more options, and there's more reason to believe that it could turn out good. And so hopefully it, it, it does that this weekend. I look. It's possible that they're going to go to South Alabama and whether they get two games in or three games in, that they'll play great and win all the games, and, and that would be tremendous. I just know the Cajuns have lost way too many games in Mobile in the last 30 years for me to just think that's going to be a – they're going to go to Mobile and it's just going to be this cakewalk and they're going to win all the games and everything's going to turn out great. I mean, I I hope. I'm about to say everything came out roses – I did something yesterday that I've never done in my life. Have you ever done this? I ate some rose candy. Did you even know that that was in it, that existed? And I ate it, and I've never eaten it in my life, and it tasted like flowers. Like, it really did. Like, I've never tasted a flower before, but it's rose candy, kind of like, like a soft gel, kind of like those orange gel things. I'm like, 
I've eaten some weird things, and uh, it didn't even come from our um, candy corn. It didn't even come from my candy corn friend. I, I almost took one home to him so he could eat it. Um, I mean, took one, and, and when next time I see him, see if, if if he would like it. Rose, have you ever eaten rose candy before? I, I, I'm no, I have not. And so you did that willingly and like voluntarily. Well, or? somebody brought it. A, a, a um. A co-worker of mine just took, got back from a vacation to Africa. And I guess, I don't know, somewhere internationally they got this candy. And it's rose candy. I mean, I said, well, what flavor it is? They said rose. I said, I've never heard of that as a flavor. Like, I said, could I give 12 of these to Michelle for Valentine's Day? I mean, does that work? They said, no, it doesn't work that way. But I did eat it. I ate the whole thing. It tasted like a flower. It's just really bizarre. Anyway, that's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. We're broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studio in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. The only time that you're going to be able to call in today is this first segment and the last one we're going to be Talking Cajun sports with our friend Craig Malawson at about 10.15. Then about 10.35, we're going to bring back. We're getting close. You know, we're getting close to the NFL draft. Guess what else is going to be coming up just after the NFL draft? Major, major sporting event, the Kentucky Derby. Last year, I got my talk to my good friend, Mr. Tom, and he gave, he's a lifelong horse racing handicapper and he um lives in breeze horse racing and he kind of he kind of led us all the way up to the triple crown races and 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 talked about that and so we're gonna begin we were gonna actually start it last week but I was on the road at the NCAA tournament in Pensacola and so we decided to to push it back so today one week from opening day We'll be uh, kind of starting getting us prepared so maybe we're not caught off guard by the winner of the Kentucky Derby like we used to be uh, years ago and so of late hadn't been quite so surprised. I kind of like – I kind of – I see, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm strange in that way. I enjoy being caught off guard by the winner of the Kentucky Derby. I do not enjoy being caught off guard – by who the Saints draft in the first round. So just two two different emotions and scenarios for me. Not not a big fan of I love when the when the underdog wins, you know, the big race like that. Don't do not love when the Saints throw this huge curveball on me and who they're going to pick in the first round. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Kevin. Good morning, sir. Hey, Kevin, I got it. One question that's off uh, uh, sports topic. You describe this candy as tasting like a flower. Right. 
Exactly. And I never tasted it. It's strange. It's like I've never eaten a flower before, but somehow if I did, it would taste exactly like this. It, it was it was weird. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, it's quite weird because I'm listening and I'm thinking, hmm, Adam, has Kevin eaten a flower before? No, I but haven't. <laughs> I didn't think you had eaten a flower. But maybe when you were a kid, I, you know, you know, we do strange things, but. Okay, good. All right. I, I just want to clarify that. All well, right, you so know, I used to eat those little hot grasses when I was at Judy's Elementary, you know, 40, 50 years ago. I don't, I guess yeah. there's no difference yeah. between eating that and eating um, uh, a flower, but go ahead. Okay. Well, what's your, what's your take on this running back from Alabama? Uh, Gibbs. He came from Georgia Tech and had a good season, a real good season in Alabama, and he's caught the ball extremely well and caught a lot of balls in his career very fast uh, about 200 pounds or so 510 you know average size kind of seems like a Kamara yes you know a, 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 a type player and I'm not, I'm not talking first round but I'm thinking at 40 you know could be a, a possibility I'm, you know we're, we're, since we're talking along the lines of not being not not being thrown curveballs, uh, you know. I, I like. I, I mean, I like him. I think he can be a very productive player in the. You know, if if the, if the offense is is going to continue along the lines which we think it will. So uh, I kind of looked at him quite a bit. I, I wouldn't want him at at point nine. I mean, I wouldn't. He wouldn't be a. I mean, I wouldn't fall out of my. Well, in the draft game, it would be a little bit of a stretch, but I have seen yeah. somebody in a mock draft have the Saints picking them in both spots. I, I've seen multiple mock drafts have the Saints picking them in the second yeah. round. Yeah. I have well, seen I, one in the first why, round. You know, his name just keeps popping up. Yes. So I, checked, I checked his stats, and he, and he looks like – I mean, I remember him against LSU. Heck, he was the best receiver in the game for Alabama that night in the LSU game. He caught – Maybe six balls. I mean, Alabama receivers weren't that productive, so he got an opportunity to catch a lot of balls, you know. So uh, I remember him well in the in LSU game. Alabama didn't run the ball that great, but they threw the ball to him uh, quite a bit, you know. So uh, he's 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 intriguing to me. I like the big guy from from Iowa. Man, I've seen uh, a lot of t- a lot of uh, you know highlights and stuff with him. He seems like. I mean, he he seems like a player. He runs well enough at at two fifty for sure. You know, like a four six guy at two fifty, surely runs well enough. Seems like you could, you know, throw him in there on the edge, and you know, I mean, so I like him a lot. Uh, kid from Texas Tech, the, the the defensive end, you know, the three four defensive end who who looks like he's going to get. Quite a few sacks, too. Uh, well, he's going to probably go in the top 10 or 12. Yeah. And now, I'm very worried. Top 20, I, I, but, I don't want know. the Falcons to get him. I'm worried the Falcons are going to pick him. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm still, you know, I know the safety position is kind of, you know, solidifying. I like the guy from, also like the guy from A&M early on. Oh, I like him. him a lot. Uh, I like him a lot. I mean, yes. I think he could be, he, he could play, you know, safety, slot, corner, you know, he could feel a lot of needs. So, 
Uh, but, uh, you know, at this point, like you said, I, I think they're going to. I'm just hoping we don't take a, 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 a combine freak, you know, but I mean. I, 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 I agree. Now, if they see if they pick Jack Campbell, I already have the nickname for him. I'm going to be calling that cat Ted Hendricks. Oh, man, the start. Oh, they got a nickname for the cat if they draft him. See, that's another thing. I like being prepared. Like this, get this, you know this, this Chris Naoli, Caesarese, my um, Taylor stuff. I don't like all that stuff. Yeah, this guy off the off the uh, from. Uh, it was two years. What's his name? The one that hasn't really played at all yet. Yeah, uh, it's you know, just the, the, it's terrible. Yeah, we, we can't. I don't like all that either. I'm like you, Kevin. I, I, I'm not saying I, I gotta have any of these guys, but I want to at least know, know the guy's name and know something about it. You know. Uh, I, all right, but, all right. Before I let you go, I gotta ask you a question. Okay. I asked Koki, yeah. and he said no. Are you worried about LSU's bullpen and our? Saturday and Sunday starters. Have we been fooled a little bit, or yeah. you think they're good yeah. there? Well, uh, I'm still worried about Todd Boyd. I think that Hurd's going to be okay. I mean, just based upon, I, you know, I, I just haven't seen Hurd that much, but I think he's going to be okay. I think he, I, man, I'm still not sold on Todd Boyd. I mean, I like him. I mean, he's got he's got great talent, but. I still, you know, I got to refer back to last year. And, I mean, you know, he was never he, – he just had flashes and, like, it's the three-inning thing, you know, the three and the third. I, I think that her is going to settle in and be able to give you five or six. I just don't know if Floyd is. And now I have seen – like, I like what I saw the other night. That lefty, that freshman lefty looks good. The big boy from Texas, I mean, he's a stud. And that's, that's a – that's an aspect coming coming out of the pen, throwing 98, 99. If he just, just throws strikes, I mean, for two innings, he's going to be two or three innings, he's going to be rough to hit. Now, it, let me just say, they pieced it together last year. They got a lot more pieces this year than they had last right. year. Right. No, no, no. All that makes sense. I just so, wanted to get your first impressions. Oh yeah, I'm, all right. You know, I'm always yeah, I'm always worried, Kevin. I understand. I, I get what it. I have done, Kevin. It's because you care. Because there's pain. I, I got. I, I have a football mentality. I'm dropping the football mentality. I'm more relaxed. I'm not worried about every game. I know we're not going to win every game, but I think that it's a still a work in progress. But man, the talent is off the charts. So, and I think the coach is good, man. I think you got a good pitching coach. You got a great head coach. So. I'm I'm having a more relaxed. Oh, oh, all right. Well, take care. Thanks for all the right, call. Guys. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, foot. Good morning, sir. Man, you must have lost your mind. What's that? How are you gonna draft two Yankees players? Now you know you hate the Yankees. You're gonna hate them a lot more after those two Yankees players. Oh, I'll so I'll, I'll definitely hate them if they do bad for me. Oh, that's almost a guarantee. You can put your money on <laughs> I mean, I would have picked, I mean, I mean anybody besides some Yankees player. I would have, I mean, forfeited my draft or something, you know? <laughs> I mean, come I can see Paul, Paul, Paul must live in a, in a, in a dream, huh? If he thinks the Yankees are going to win the world. I, I, if I, if I, 
if I remember right, that about this time last year he was saying the same thing. And what was I telling him, Paul? Paul, the Yankees here. The Yankees are far from winning a World Series. Judges got his big contract, so he don't need a play. He's going to get hurt, and that's going to be the end of that. You know? But, yeah, man, I had to call and see, man, and see if you had lost your mind taking some Yankees players. <laughs> I mean, surely there was somebody else you could have picked, man, that you could have got a little production. Well, production what happened out. was I, I really wanted to have some good closers. So I got Emmanuel Classe, so I got, I think, the best or one of the top two or three. And then – uh, you know, I started a closer run, and by the time I, I was in a position to draft another one, the, the, I think the best available one was Holmes from the Yankees. So, I don't know. We'll see how it works out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I, I, don't wanna, I hope you don't get your blood pressure up when they don't, don't give you no numbers in your foot fantasy. <laughs> it's supposed to be a hammock season for you, foot. Yes. It's supposed to be a hammock season, so don't, don't get your blood pressure up when they don't give you no numbers. Have a good one. All Go right. Ahead, take stop. care. Take care. I tell you what, I'm also banking on the Toronto Blue Jays. My first round draft pick was a Toronto Blue Jay. My second round draft pick was a Toronto Blue Jay. So man, I drafted a. I'm a sucker for the ESPN AL division. I, I'm. I'd have to go back. I don't have my team. So what is that? George Springer the second pick and Vlad the first pick. Vlad and Bo Bichette. Oh, Bo Bichette. I think okay. Bo Bichette's gonna have a big year. I think yeah. Bo Bichette is really good. No, they, I mean, that's a talented team, and I, if they I can put really it together, good. the AL East is going to be weird again. I don't really I, – I could see any number of teams winning the AL East, as it feels like it kind of always is. Man, I, I was really hoping Rafael Devers would slip and I could get him in the third round, but I was not that fortunate. That did not happen because I, I know the Red Sox lineup looks sketchy right now, but, man, Devers, that guy, he just – he can hit. Man, I was hoping to get him, but – I was not that fortunate. All right, we'll take a timeout. Be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome. Back to footnotes. All right. We have with us Mr. Craig Malonso. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Trying to uh, keep the wet, the the bad weather away from us in Mobile this weekend so so we can play some baseball. Oh, so you're in charge of that. I'm trying. I'm uh, doing yeah, my best I, I, happy I, I, dance I, over here, I, which I, is not – no one wants to see that. You're right. I just want to know who to blame if it doesn't go well. So that, that – that, <laughs> so – I asked uh, Coach Deggs after the game last night if playing two games Friday is even an option, and he didn't seem to think it was an option because they've already played two games this week. So what do you think the options are going to be if the weather forecast that I heard last night is accurate? 
Uh, I think the option is playing two on Saturday or Sunday. I don't see uh, – I'm not sure that we're even going to be able to play Friday night, but at the same time, it's gone from a 94% chance rain on Friday evening to a 48% chance of rain on Friday evening. So, But what people have to remember about South Alabama, this happened a couple of years ago when we were there, it was beautiful on a Friday night, and everybody kept going to the stadium taking pictures. Look how beautiful it is. They have a grass field. They don't have a turf field. So it's going to be very difficult. Although it's draining, it's going to be very difficult to get in uh, games if it rains earlier in the day like it, like they're showing. So I thought that Sunday was the worst day. So what's supposedly the worst day now as we see the weather forecast now? Uh, I still see it as Friday, but I honestly I haven't checked. Uh, oh, well, now Sunday, you're right. 88% chance of rain. Uh, ooh, that's ugly. Yes. So, by, uh, And it looks like it's pretty constant from morning to night. So we'll have to see. Uh, I guess your best chance is because it only shows 2% chance of rain on Saturday. Is getting two on in on Saturday and hopefully uh, Friday or Sunday and being able to play that third game. All right. So are you like me? Or are you not buying that South Alabama's on a – I know that they're on a seven-game losing streak, and I know they're 0-3, but I don't know. Hearing that stuff for a team that you've played for so long and have lost to more than your – maybe a little more than your fair share, it's hard for me to just say I'll be comfortable with that. Uh, you, you're absolutely correct. They're a very dangerous team if uh, – you know, one – the, the spot that I there's two spots that uh, looking statistically wise, what they have not done in the past, the last, previous last three seasons they've been one or two uh, in fielding uh, percentage. This year they're second from last, so 13th in the conference in fielding percentage. Uh, the other thing is uh, two years ago when we went there, they were batting right around 220 as a team, but they were batting like 425. With runners and base, uh, uh, runners in scoring position, right, and with two outs. This year, they're not getting the big, the big two out swing there. So that's, uh, and that may just be a matter matter of time. And right. also, you got Jeremy Lee, who the, the has been traditionally uh, a, a good pitcher for him, but because of injury, his ERA is up around six. But as we know, even that can change in just one game. Uh, somebody coming out uh, and throwing well. We saw that this weekend with, uh, I know I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, but Nezu, um, you know, he came out after Coach Degg stuck with him, stuck with him, stuck with him, and he showed why Coach Degg stuck with him on, on Sunday. Absolutely. In fact, you know, there's every indication now that he's already, not only is he in, still in the rotation, he's moving up to the, to the Saturday start, assuming they play Weather-wise, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is not sounding real good. So if South Alabama is really having a down year, then, you know, road game, which I'm still struggling with, but, well, I enjoy it. I just don't, in terms, not on this side of the fence, I'm like, I don't want to get overconfident with that situation. But if if you lose a game or two, against a team, a road team that you can win, that's not good. 
No, it's not. And it depends. We tend to look at RPI. Uh, the Sunbelt Conference has six teams in the top 100 of the RPI or the top 75 of the RPI. South Alabama is not one of them, but they are still a very, a very dangerous team. And looking at the RPI now doesn't mean something. It's, it's really two months down the road. Uh, and if South Alabama continues to win, it may look like a bad road loss now, but it may not be at the end of the year. And quite honestly, I'm not thinking about two road losses. I'm thinking about taking two out of three on the road, and let's get back home against App State. All right. So you mentioned RPI, and you know, I'm wondering if the Cajuns and maybe you know other teams got a little food. Like last year was an RPI bonanza for the Sun Belt Conference, and even Texas State, who we know is really good, their RPI is nowhere near what it was last year. For I mean, I I don't know all the reasons behind that, but. Uh, well, so did we get fooled a little bit? Is 192nd right now, so that's why. Wait, say that again. Their their strength of schedule is 192nd in Division One baseball. They they won last night and still dropped 13 points. Okay, so if you're Texas State and you were that close to the College World Series last year, why would you do that? Uh, you know, and, and it may not be totally of their doing. It may be the teams that they're playing, which were good RPI teams, maybe aren't as good this year. Uh, you know, even if we go into South Alabama and sweep, you know, they're 224th. That could, we could drop a couple spots possibly. And they so were like, I don't know that it's all know, Texas right, right. State's doing. They're 15 and six on the year. And it's like Louisiana Tech last year was good. This year they're doing terrible. So you're right from year to year. But but I'm, what I'm wondering is like the Cajuns made a made a methodical decision to scale back a little bit as compared to last year's schedule because they were going to have this. You know, the conference could take care of them RPI-wise, and I don't know if the conference, at least right now, is going to be able to take care of itself RPI-wise like we were thinking is my point. Well, if one, two, three, four. We're, we're, the conference is still fifth in, in RPI. And like I said, six of, six of our teams are in the top 75 of the RPI. That's huge for, and I know there's no Power Five, inside baseball, but that's huge. You know, we're ahead of the Big Ten right now. Uh, and I think, I, I truly believe that we can stay that way if teams take care of their business. All right, so, so far, uh, I mean, I'd have to say the biggest surprise to this season is is what we're seeing out of Ben Robichaux and two weeks ago or so when we talked, you know, we Ben Robichaux was an afterthought. They go to Mississippi State. He turns on a 97-mile-an-hour fastball, and now they can't, they can't seem to keep him off the base pass. It's just incredible stories like that. I think you see that everything. It, you know, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season, going into our second weekend of conference play, the, the Cajun pitching staff would have a, a, a sub-4 ERA, and Ben Robichaux uh, is going to be playing uh, – you know, even Connor Higgs coming in and out of the lineup, uh, some of that doing sickness, but guys like Mason Zambo as well. 
I mean, finally we got a true first baseman if he stays healthy. And he, and he was hitting the ball, and I think his wrist issues is why he hasn't been hitting the ball lately. So I think the, the rest on Tuesday night hopefully will do him some good. Absolutely. So the interesting thing now is Brendan Moody, not only did he pitch last night, but he pitched two innings and got the save last night. I was kind of thinking he would be the Sunday starter. Coach Degg said after last night's game that he still might be the Sunday starter. Uh, Brennan was a little more unsure of that when we asked him. But basically, his plan is to use Moody in midweek games and on the weekend in whatever form it sounds like. Yeah, I think what we have to remember is a couple of things. And Coach Robe used to talk about the stress pitches. And, and Brennan Moody just went out last night and cut up uh, uh, Southeastern. I mean, it helped with a double play towards the end of the game, too. But at the same time, a lot of these guys throw a simulated game or a bullpen on several days before their start. And Coach Deggs, we've seen it in the past with Brandon Talley, uh, has done that off and on. And I don't know if that's Coach Deggs or Coach Thibodeau there. That's, that makes that decision. So I wouldn't go by too much of what happened last night and whether he starts on Sunday. All right, one more point. Uh, we mentioned earlier having to talk, do with South Alabama's offensive performance so far. The Cajuns better hope hitting in clutch situations is cyclical because that hadn't been good enough this year. No, it hasn't. If, you, if you're looking for a weak point on the Cajuns, uh, uh, hitting it, it is leaving men on base uh, too many times. I've seen, seen uh, and when I say too many times, that could, it may have been three, but it, it feels like a lot more. Second and third, and no one out, and we're not able to get in a run. So John Taylor kind of popped a, a bun up last night, uh, which honestly is a little bit uncharacteristic of him. But dropped the uh, the, the head of the bat down instead of keeping it up to get the ball down. So, yeah, I agree with you, Kevin. If if, if this team long-term is going to win, we've got to make the two-out hits. We've got to uh, get guys in from scoring position. All righty, sir. We'll see what happens this weekend in, uh, in Mobile. And, look, we'll give you the blame of the weather. If it turns out better, though, we'll be sure to give you the credit for it, too. So we'll, we're equal opportunity blamers and creditors here. Well, I'm heading over Friday morning, so I'm I'm hoping that me getting there will bring sunshine to oh, everyone. All right. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, Kevin. Bye. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us our old friend, Mr. Tom. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Well, this has to be a great time right. of the year for you. We're a, a, we're a week away from opening day of baseball, and, we're, and we've begun the road to the Kentucky Derby. Hey, listen, spring's here, brother. 
That's it, what happened. It, 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 it absolutely is. All right, so for those of us that don't keep up yeah. with what's going on in horse racing anywhere near that you do, give us the latest on the whole Bob Baffert situation as it plays into the Triple Crown races. Yeah, good, good first question. Uh, of course, Bob cannot have anything to do. He cannot collect from a winner. He cannot have anything to do with a horse that is in the Derby or gets Derby points. So the horses that he gives off to trainers like Tim Yakin, uh, uh, they're eligible to earn points, but he can't get anything from it. That's, this is the last year. Next year, he'll be back full force. The, the problem that the Kentucky Derby has this year is that the Preakness and the Belmont may be much better because they'll have Bob Baffert horses in them. That's all. That's, a, that's, that's in a nutshell where we're at right now. But, like, but, but did, 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 how many of his horses have been taken over by someone else, though? I'm not sure exactly, but I'd say three or four. Tim Yakin, I know, has one of them called Fort Bragg, and he'll run Sunday in the Windstar in Sunland in El Paso, Texas. That's one I know. Okay, so why is it why is it just in the Kentucky Derby that he he can't do? Because Kentucky, Kentucky banned him basically from their racetrack for failed drug tests. Two, I believe, at, uh, two altogether, I think. And right. after that second one, they they just said no, you can't run for three years. And I think this is the third year. That so, was it. So it was did the other? Did the other? Game. Did the other states penalize him just not as long, or they just said, well, we're not penalizing him at all? Most of them didn't, didn't penalize him. Uh, New York, I don't think, penalized him. Well, they might have penalized him for a little while. And then uh, uh, Maryland, I don't think they did anything to him at all. But they, it just depended who, where he had had tests that were suspicious. And he's had several suspicious tests. So, that, you know, that's supposedly in the past, okay? All right, so catch us up. How many, um, you know, races have we had that, you know, derby prep races have we had, and what are we looking at this weekend? Yeah, we've had several prep races. In California, we've had the the, the San Filippi, which practical move, a horse that I like a lot, won and uh, and will be eligible for the derby. Of course, the Tampa Bay Derby was last week, and that was kind of an amazing race. Uh, the horse that won it came from very, very late, very dead last. He did not get out. He stepped, walked out of the gate. And at the end, he made a big, wide circle around the rest of the horses and one going away. It, that's a tactic trice is a horse because he's, and he's, and he's, uh, he's trained by Todd Fletcher. He doesn't have any forward speed, but boy, when he gets it into gear, he looks like Ghost Zapper. You know, he gets a long, big trot. So that was that, that's to a nutshell basically what we have right now. All right. So in a derby prep race for someone like yeah. you who who, can, who knows how what it, how to handicap, how do you interpret a long shot win in a prep race? Like what goes into determining whether it's just a fluke or somebody you need to start taking seriously here? Uh, yeah, well, that's what the 100 points end up being. You got to take seriously. So anybody that's in the 100 point race, which is the uh, which is the Louisiana Derby this Saturday, which is uh, uh, mile and three sixteenths, and I'll talk about that in a minute. 
But anybody that's in there is shooting for that 100 points. I mean, they'll take the other points, but they're shooting for the big number because they will know that they're good. Does that make sense? Uh, you, you, you got good horses in here, but they're not that they been tested yet. I got you. You know, and that's kind of what we're looking at, uh, a, a quality jump, uh, a jump in class for some of these horses. And what I look for in a long shot is what I've told you before on, on here. At this time of the year, these horses can make tremendous progress in a very short time. In a week, they can mature and win when they couldn't win the week before. So you have to look at their workouts, what they're doing on the track, what trainers work them hard, which ones don't. And then you have to play into, are they getting better? Have they gone from short races to long races and improved? And that's what you're looking for. Nothing else really matters except maybe the trainer, and you know who those will be. And maybe the surface that you're running on, uh, if it rains on uh, New Orleans on Saturday and it's not supposed to, it could change everything as far as the race goes. So long shots, that's what I'm looking for. All right, so with the, how were the track conditions in Tampa? Oh, good. Okay. Very good. It was a nice track. No, now, this horse, if anybody wants to watch it, it's on YouTube. It's a remarkable race because he really had no chance. If you, it's very difficult to, to, to say he has no chance and then to run around all the other horses. Anyhow, it was fun. All right. So tell us what we're looking at and, and how, kind of handicap this weekend's race for us. Yeah. Well, the, the obvious favorite at uh, uh, in New Orleans, and there's another prep race in Turfway Park, which is a, is good. But the one in New Orleans, Louisiana Derby, the obvious favorite is a horse called Instant Coffee. And that's not hard to remember that. Instant Coffee. Uh, he's won a couple of prep races already. He's in the two-hole. And this race, the New Orleans race, is completely different from the other derbies, preps, in that it goes another 110 yards. A horse has to run another 110 yards in in the fairgrounds, and that helps build their stamina toward the other 110 yards, which will be the derby distance. Is that understood? Right. Okay, so they're going to prove that they can go this far. Instant coffee is the favorite. He's done the most, and he is a closer. He likes to come running, and he's in the two-hole. So he's going to be like even money maybe or something, unless they like something else. But let me talk about another horse that I have been hearing about now for a month, and it's coming out of both ears. The number six horse is called King's Barnes. It's a Todd Fletcher horse. He's run two races, and he's run away from the, you know, the second race was against fairly decent horses that ran in the Tampa Bur- Derby last week, and he won by seven and a half lengths. So he's entering him in this Derby because he wants to find out how good this horse is. And if it's as good as I've been told, it needs to be hard, hardly really looked at. That's, a, that's the other one that I'd look at. And the horse that I'm really interested in is right below him, called Caligastro. Caligastro. He's run in his race, in his 
This is what I'm talking about, about improving. He's run three races. The first race, he ran six. He was a two-year-old. And then came to the fairgrounds, and he won by three and a half lengths in January. He ran in the, an allowance race and got beat a net by a horse that's running in this Louisiana Derby race and who will be one of the midline favorites. This Cagliostro is an example of the kind of horse that I was talking about. If he could go a mile and three sixteenths, and if he makes another improvement like he did last time, he could be very, very dangerous in a race like this. All right. All right. So, what, what, what is post time Saturday? What is post time yeah, Saturday? What's that? When is post time Saturday in your um, guys? Post time will be somewhere around five forty-five. Okay. Yeah, somewhere in that area. Well, it, it sounds like we are um, well, it, I, set I up for a good one. About this, but the, the thing about the Louisiana Derby for people to pay attention to is that two is the very, he's the best horse, but they're going that extra 110 yards. And a lot of these horses got a lot of, back, uh, what do they call it? A lot of uh, ability to go long. Yeah. If they so, anyway, that's it. All right. Well, we got off to a great start. What, what are we about uh, six weeks, five weeks away? Um, let's see. From First, the Derby. Yeah. Uh, April, end of March is now. Yeah. We're six weeks away. Six well, weeks it, it'll, away it'll, yeah. it'll be here before we know it. Hopefully the Astros it'll have enough wins by then. Yeah, I hope the Astros. Go Astros. All right, Mr. Tom. Thank you very much. See you later, Kevin. Thank you. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ebbness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, my name is Mike. I'm a Cajun basketball fan, and I'm a good friend with Marlon. But I heard uh, Folk is going to the transport or portal. Is there anybody else leaving? Or well, I don't. I don't know. I, I didn't. You know, the whole famous Folk's thing down the stretch. Dawson and I has talked about that, and I, I just. There, I don't remember the game. I, I, I'd have to go back, and I, I guess I could figure it out. But there was a game, I don't know, 
three weeks ago or something. It was the last South Alabama game regular season, remember, when he didn't play in the second half? Right. And, and then, like, the the whole second half, or maybe he played a little bit at the beginning, but definitely in, like, the last 15 minutes, Mike Thomas played the whole one. And I remember thinking, and he was sitting at the end of the bench, and it, I didn't, none, nobody really thought he was injured. It's like, what's going on here? Something's not right. And they kind of downplayed it, and, and I and I asked Coach Marlin about it several times, and they kind of downplayed it. And in fact, Coach, I remember in a, in a subsequent press conference, Coach Marlin kind of went out of his way to say that that um, Themis was cheering for his teammate, talking about Mike, and and I didn't know how 100% accurate that was. But anyway, um, so it kind of made gave you some doubts about what's going on, and then obviously came the Sunbelt Conference Final because Seamus hadn't been doing a whole lot offensively, and then he kind of bailed him out and brought him to the NCAA tournament with a great performance in the Sunbelt Conference. You, you kind of forget about that, and then now here he's in the portal, so... Uh, you know, there doesn't seem to be a lot of options for the portal. I don't know how many guys didn't play that thought, you know, like a Ty Harper the year before, thought maybe they should have been getting more playing time. But, yeah, that was that was disappointing. Yeah. And and then as far as Brown, is he going to stick around, you think? or I don't think so. I think it's a real long shot. Now, I think the yeah. only way he sticks around is if, Somehow he explores all his options and he doesn't like them, any of them, which I, I don't know if that's going to be the case in terms of I'm talking about professional basketball options. And he decides to go to college again. I don't think he's going to do that because he graduated, uh, mm, re, you know, recently. Gotcha. I, 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 I don't see him coming back, but I could see him if he goes to college again coming here because – I think he's honest when he says he wasn't really happy at Nevada, he wasn't really happy at Arizona, and he was happy here. So I could see yeah. him coming back, but I, I think it's a long shot. Okay. Well, thanks, Kevin. Thank you. No, you never know, but then, you know, the portal is what it is. But there, uh, you know, again, Dawson and I spoke about that on the air several times. Some just didn't look right. Uh, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know what the story is, but something wasn't right. Yeah. And, and we'll, I guess, I mean, well, some, maybe we will find out, maybe we won't, but um, you know, let's also mention it's not impossible for him to pull his name from the portal and return to the team. We've seen that happen uh, on other occasions. We've seen it happen with the UL football team from here and there. So um, that is still an option, but of course, and I think what people are going to focus on is his comments after the championship game where he said, or after the NCAA tournament game where he said it was time for them to win more championships and stuff, and then you end up in the portal. I just, you know, we've seen that enough now. Don't put a lot of stock into what someone says immediately after an emotional event yes. uh, and a press conference like that. I mean, he may have fully been thinking that and then just obviously had a change of heart, or maybe this was something all along. It's just, we don't know, so... That's something I, I just don't focus as much on what the what people say in those types of situations. No, I I, I agree because, um, you know, Kobe spoke really a lot about the future, um, and I believe that he's coming back, and if he physically can and he stays healthy, but yeah, you never know about all that. And it, the truth of the matter is, and we've talked about it before, most of the high or all of the high profile players that have left the Cajuns program in the transfer portal, they've done nothing. Like, I mean, they might theoretically be happy on a day-to-day -day basis where they are compared to being here, but on the court it hasn't showed up at all. I mean, 
now. And sometimes I guess you could argue they're better off. Like, I think if Cedric Russell stays, they wouldn't have been. I think they might. Who knows? They might have made the NCAA tournament last year if Cedric Russell stays. Um, And Theo Okuba, at the time it didn't look good, but they replaced him with Terrence, who was a completely different kind of player. But Terrence is more of a leader, better offensive player. You know, they pro- they they might not have made the tournament. They might not have finished as the as the, second in the conference had had Theo stayed. So, you know, that you it's hard to argue that that transaction didn't work out on the plus side for for the um Cajuns even though certainly they could have used the, Theo's defensive ability and rim protecting and rebounding, but Terrence played a big role. Wish he would have hit a couple more jumpers against Tennessee. But, you know, that's you're talking about really small sample size there. Overall, he had a great impact on the team. No question. So, yeah, it's something to, something to keep an eye on to see if he really signs elsewhere. Now, he's young enough and an accomplished enough point guard. I, I, I think he, he might work out somewhere else very possibly uh, if it happens. Yeah, and another thing to keep in mind, he might have to sit out a year because he's already transferred. So we'll see about that. All right. Busy day. Appreciate it. Y'all have a nice day.